Part twenty four of the Fates of the Princes of Dovard by Kenneth Morris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The story of Rhiannon and Pridari, the third branch of it, that is to say, the return of Pridari. Two, the petulant impatience of Pendar and Dovard, and the maintaining of the sovereignty of Rhiannon. Rhiannon sat at the palace gate in Arberth. Day after day she had had her place there between dawn and dusk during twenty years. There was no queen's robe on her, no adornment in the world. When she chose the fate of waiting and penance, she acquired the nature of mortality, and knew that there would be no escaping it unless she should go to the gods, or until Pridari should return. By reason of that, her hair was grey, and the lines of sorrow were on her forehead and before the ten years were over she was blind. Yet there was no concealing her majesty, nothing in fair Dovard was fairer than she. Her calm, deep, beautiful eyes were bereft of their outward vision, but not of their lone, untroubled glory, not of their colour like the sunlight through the oak leaves on the waters of a deep pool in the forest. Whoever beheld her knew that she was a queen, no one had remained faithful to her when she chose the penance, except Gwaul ab Clud and the hundred men of the Tyli of Pool Penanon, with Pendar and Dovard for Pentyli at the head of them. They had been men in the prime of their worth at that time, not too young to be the best in council, not too old to be the best in war, but the loss of his lord was equal to the taking of twenty years from the life of each one of them, and the penance of their queen had whitened their hair when she was accused they were eager to do battle for her but she forbade them she would have no warfare until pridari or puil penanon should return she made a treaty with her enemies on behalf of puil she would claim no rights for herself she would remain in penance at the palace gate daily but the throne on the dais should be kept for the king or for his son as for the governing of Dovard, it should be in the hands of Pendarin and the Krintach between them, and each with three men to uphold him in the council. When Ainion Arthkenen heard of this, he rose up in furious impatience. Are the men of the king's Tyli dead? said he. While I live, this wrong shall not be done to the sovereign lady of the Demetians. If she elects to do penance, where no penance should be done, let her have praise and honour for it. But in my deed, she shall have the name of queen and she shall have the king's place at the feasts i will not let sleep come to the eyes of any man until this is granted we will humour you said the krintach remembering the furious nature of Ainion's onslaught in the conflict and how he was accustomed to go one against many and drive his foemen into the wave the daughter of hephaith shall have the name of queen between dusk and dawn and she shall hold the throne on the dais at feast-time. Madog and his men were proud enough of that treaty when they made it, on account of the rising of the tiley in the hall at Ainion's words, and the fierce light in their eyes, and the difficulty that Rhiannon had in restraining them. But every year they grew less proud and more impatient over it. With so little between their lord and the kingship, no more than word given to this woman at the palace gate, and she, blind and grey after ten years of it, although she had seemed no older than the king at the time she took on grief and mortality, no more than word was given to her. 
and the will of those few fierce warriors that were growing older year by year and if older fewer also for by the time that the twenty years were over there were not more than nine and twenty of them left alive and guaulab clud for the thirtieth here is relating now how it came to be that there were so few during the first seven years not one day had passed but that the queen had had plots and designs to combat in it the whole power of cluid ab set against her it was marvellous how she might meet and undo all without open warfare and giving no one reason to accuse her at times indeed her enemies obtained success against her it was when any of the men of the tiley had forsaken following her counsel every eve of may she would send ten men to watch on gorseth arberth and until the seventh year none of those she sent had ever failed in the watching but it happened then to Ainian arf kennan that two days before may eve he received tidings of the greatest wild boar in the world that had its haunts on munadhamanu opposite kareg kennan and was laying waste the whole of the cantreb the desire of his life came upon him to hunt it and for that reason he rode away from arbeth without the queen's having knowledge of his going where is the lord of iskenon said she on the morning of may eve it would be well for him to lead the watchers on gorseth arbeth this day hunting the wild boar on munath amanu he is said pendarin david indeed alas for that hunting she answered it is the pity of my life that he should have gone to it the day after news came that Ainian had been found slain at the head of the mountain the boar had slain him when he was parted from his huntsman katugwaith had come upon him lifeless pendarin david considered within himself the loss of his lord had been a more grievous burden to pendarin than to any of the men of the tiley his hair was white and his brow furrowed and he was never heard to laugh as for wild boars said he many will be of the nature of swine that have but two legs to go upon it will be well to consult the queen he came to the gate and stood before her lord pendarin said she the greeting of heaven and of man to you and to you also said he and better to you than to me or to any of us i come for counsel concerning what said she concerning the slaying of wild boars he said there was not the better of ainian arth kennening david except guaulab clud proud and fierce and kindly he was there was no withstanding him in battle there was no resisting him at the hearth in the hall it is true said rhiannon and fitting it would be to say less concerning him it appears to me that it would be better for katuguthraul to be slain said he he has the nature of a wild boar on him and i cannot abide these killings by swine he shall not die said she albeit it is known to me that it was he who slew the chieftain of iskenon even if you were other than the sovereign lady i should follow your counsels said he yet there may be a way of appeasing Ainian. what way will it be said rhiannon i will not disobey you said he let it be permitted to me to maintain silence concerning this maintain it you she said well known to you are the fruits of rashness yes said he and the shadow of laughter on his face i was two days in the basket of gwaithvidnuinog and it is not unremembered with me the next day the chieftains held council 
Madog and Dainuel, Katug and Gwiltin were there, and against them Pendarin Dyvid and Gwaulab Clud, and Keredicum Tyvi, and Myrig Muin of Bronwith, in the place of Ainian. Madog Krintach rose up. It was for the sake of pacifying the Lord of Iskanen, said he, that the throne at the feast times was given to the daughter of Hevaith. For no reason was this but for quieting his turbulent nature. Now that he is slain, let the treaty be kept. There is no sovereign in Dyvod, and no one shall be seated on the throne. Evil was the day on which Arthkenan was slain, said Pendarin, not heeding him. Were it not for the queen, I would hunt the boar that slew him, as far as from here to the Sea of Mists, and from the top of Penguide in Cornwall, to the bottom of Dinsol in the north. Though the boar were greater than the Turk Truith himself, it should come by ill health and extreme weariness, not by death, because of me. In my deed to God, said he, were it not for the commands of Rhiannon Wren, the sovereign lady of the Demetians, to whom obedience is due, I would be the cause of endless sorrow to that boar. Said Catud Gwaith, Heedless are you of the council, truly. There is no queen in Dyvod. It is unfitting to put the title of queen on the daughter of Hevaith Hen. There was the treaty, said Pendarin, turning upon him. She has borne the name on account of the turbulence of Ainian. It was not in the treaty. Well, well, and in my deed now, said Pendarin. My mind is lightened of its burden by this. He had his bow strung beside his chair. He took it in his hands now, and drew an arrow from his quiver, as if for diversion merely, and without anger or vehemence. "'She has no right of queenhood,' said he, "'and did ill to command me. Evil fall upon me unless I hunt that boar.' "'For what reason is this fitting an arrow to the string?' said Madog, and anxiety enough in his voice as he said it. "'There is no boar here.' "'In my deed there is a boar here,' said Pendaran. He was on his feet in a moment, towering over them and dominating them, his aspect regally warlike, menacing. The drawn bowstring at his right shoulder, the shaft aimed between the eyes of Katug. When the arrow hath pierced him, the enchantment will fall from him, and you shall see the swinish nature of yonder man. The queen ordered you not to shoot, said Katug. Though he had opposed ten good shields to the arrow of Pendaran, it was well known that the shields would have been pierced and he himself likewise, without hindering the arrow in its course. "'For the sake of the queen, shoot not,' said he. "'Not so,' said Pendarin. "'Thou art a wild boar, and it was no more than the daughter of Hevive that ordered me.' "'She is the queen,' said Katug. "'Say you so, indeed,' said Pendarin, not lowering the shaft. "'We say it,' said the four of them. "'She shall have the throne at the feast.' Ainian would be appeased now, said Pendarin, when he was making it known to Rhiannon. If he should have to hear what has been gained by it, he would have no sorrow because of being slain. Were it in my power, I would relate it to him in the Gwerthonai Cleon, said she. A magnanimous hero he was. Sorrow upon me that he should have been slain. The story relates that that evening a dragon lighted down on the shores of the Gwerthonai Cleon in the magical west of the world. "'Where is the one that was Ainian Arthkenon? said the dragon. "'I am here,' said Ainian. "'Sorrow upon me that I am not endeavoured for the defence of my queen.' "'Sorrow not for it,' said the dragon, and related to him what had befallen. 
Ainian was a stern, silent man at all times, nobly courteous in his demeanour, but few would jest with him, and he with few. Seldom was he heard to laugh, but when he heard the news of that council, there was no restraining his laughter until the rising of the sun. Three years passed after that. At the end of them, the men of the Tyli were older and fewer than at the beginning, and it troubled the Krintach more and more daily to see any one on the throne at feast times, and he was going throneless himself. It happened on the day before May Eve that news came to Keredig Kal at Boncath that his lordship was being harried by sea demons. I must keep watch upon Penkenice tomorrow night, thought he, but if he should ride back to Arberth to give the news to Rhiannon, there would be no keeping watch there. This is a difficult matter, he said. Sorrow upon me if I know which course to take. But in the end he determined to ride forward into Chemice. He knew well that it was on May Eve that the demons would be at their worst. Where is Keredig Comtaivi? said Rhiannon in the morning. It will be well for him to lead the watchers on Gorseth Arberth. News has come from him that he is ridden to Abataivi, said Gwaul. The sea demons are troubling his lordship. Woe is me on account of this, said she. Two days after, Dainiol the wicked came into the court. Pendar and David, said he, Keredig is dead. He was found at the foot of Penkemais at low tide on the morning of the first day of May. Who was it that found his body? said Pendaran. It was I, said Dainiel. It was a night of sea mist, and he would have fallen from the headland. Evil upon the sea mist, thought Pendaran. It should be the worse for them. He went out to the palace gate. It would be well to loose an arrow at Dainiel Drug, said he. He was ever an enemy of Keredig, and there is much that is mist-like and treacherous, both in his mind and in his passions. Were an arrow to be loosed and to chance to harm him, there might well be clearer nights upon the coast. Loose it not, said Rhiannon, or there will be no hindering warfare. Pendaran went into the council. Waul and Myrig went with him, and the lord of Abedau Kledai in the place of Keredig Kalkum Taivi. Now that another of the men of the Tyli was slain, and he, Keredig Kum Taivi, the best of the Demetians after Pendaran himself, a man beloved by Pool Penannan, and holding high honour with him in the old days, and renowned even as far as the court of the King of London. It was intolerable to the Krintach that he should hold back any longer. The Demetians grow impatient of the breaking of laws and precedents, said he. Let the treaty be kept from this time forward. It is unfitting that a woman should be throned at the feast times. Let it be kept and evil fall upon it, said Pendaran. If Keredig Calcum Tyvi were here, ye should be hindered. As for me, I have no fortitude left wherewith to oppose ye, on account of being plagued by sea mists. Myrig Muin and the Lord of Abadai Gledai marvelled at the compliance of Pendaran. Lord Pendaran, said Myrig, old age is oppressing you. Truly it is oppressing me, said Pendaran. On account of it I cannot hear of fallings into the sea without petulant impatience and a desire for revenge upon the sea-mists. By the war-shout and high atom of the gods, I would shoot until there were no mists left along the sea-border, were it not that the queen forbade me. While he was speaking, 
Daimio Drug came into the council hall. "'What talk is this of queenhood?' said he. "'According to the treaty there is neither king nor queen in Dovud.' "'That is true,' said the Krintak. "'The treaty shall be kept from this out. Let no man speak of the queen in this council.' Pendaren took his bow lightly, and fitted an arrow to it without pomp or ostentation. "'I am growing old,' said he. "'Miserably fitful is my memory. It was but the daughter of Hevaith forbade me. I had forgotten that she forfeited her sovereignty.' No sooner was sovereignty out from between his teeth than he was on his feet, dominant, a warlike hero intensely to be feared. His right hand with the bowstring was at his shoulder. The point of the shaft would take Daniel between the eyes with a string loose, and thereafter would pass through his head and through the wall of the council chamber. "'By heaven, I never will refrain from shooting, except upon command of a lawful sovereign.' The fickle rashness of my old age is too much for me. Confusion took the four of them in a moment, and Daniel more than any of them. The queen ordered thee not to shoot, said he, and trembling with the fear of death as he said it. The queen, said Pendaren, what talk is this of queenhood in the name of heaven? Was there no treaty? Was there no forfeiting queenhood? There is no sovereign in Arbeth, and no one with a right to command me, and there are three arrows in the quiver and one upon the string that i shall shoot to prove that ye are but sea-mists enchanted in the guise of men it is evil to take advantage of my old age and infirmities and to seek to deceive me because my wits are failing shoot not on account of the queen's forbidding thee said madog rhiannon ferchevaith is a queen in that way the sovereignty of rhiannon was maintained that year also gwydion abdon in the form of a dragon took the news to Keredig Call in the Guerdonai Cleon, and he and Arth Kennan, and as many of the Tylee of Pool Penannan as were there, made merry over it, and over Pendaren's infirmities between dawn and sunset during three days. Less well should I have served her had I remained alive, said Keredig. In the fifteenth year it happened that Meirig Muin was in his house at Bronwyth, and as they were sitting down to the feast, a messenger came into the hall from Rhiannon, with news that there was need of the chieftain at Arberth. "'Yes,' said Meirig, "'I will ride forth to-morrow when it dawns.' "'It would be better to ride now,' said the messenger. "'Often the unprompt will be overtaken by misfortune,' said Meirig. "'For what labour will the need of me be?' "'For the watching on Gorseth Arberth,' said the messenger." We will set forth at dawn, said Meirig, and be at Arbeth by mid-morning. Inhospitable it were truly that a prince should come to the hall and meet with no entertainment. You are to choose, said Gwaulabclud, but it would be better to set forth now. Not so, said Meirig, we will ride at dawn. That night the house of Meirig was burnt over his head, and he himself perished in the smoke, and Gwaulabclud powerless to save him. Gwaul gave the news to Rhiannon and the Pentyli. There was a man lurking beyond the gate, said he, that had the aspect of Gwilton Gwaithaf. Pendaren Dyved mourned for the slaying of Meirig. Except Gwaul Abclud, there was no one in Dyved that he loved more. The hospitality of the immortals was with him, said he. I delighted in his conversation at all times, and in his generosity, 
and in his magnanimous bearing in the onslaught and in the gay nature of him and the regal songs and the laughter hateful to me above all things are these deaths by flame and suffocation noble are the words spoken said rhiannon it would be unfitting to say less of him pendarren turned to her sovereign princess said he do not deny me this unbounded is my desire to loose an arrow this day in the council the anger of that gwiltin is of the nature of flame and his deceits are darker and more treacherous than the smoke and fumes that destroy the sleeping if gwiltin were slain there would be war said she unless pool penannon were here or prideri fabpool to lead you there would be no advantage even in victory those two are of the kingly race descendants of the gods and the cymri there are many that would support and follow them that will take no side now and the demetians will be weary of lacking their king by the time prideri returns and return he will said she and will have need of you but now you would destroy these men and lay the land in ruin and neither pool nor prideri would have advantage from it we desire no advantage for any one but you said he it is the sorrow of our lives that you should do the penance i am content with waiting and patience said she this fate i foresaw i pray you to be content with waiting also old and fierce and hasty am i grown said pendarren fiercely i desire to loose this arrow and three more after it but i am not without knowledge what is your due he went into the council and as he went fell to his considering and cogitations they shall acknowledge her queenhood this year also thought he myrig muin would not grudge the price of it pendarren rose up in the council hall but for the orders i have received from the queen the daughter of hevaith hen in the kingdom of the immortals the sovereign ruler of the demesians your lady and mine and the lineage of the gods with her and herself a goddess slowly and haughtily with defiant menace the words rolled out from between his teeth and lips you shall not speak of her thus cried gwilton gwaithavol unbearable is this by the son of the three shouts were it not for the orders i had from her i would quench certain fires with this arrow the point of it was aimed between the eyes of gwiltin there was no one worse than he between the sea and the tui and the tyvi and therefore he was called gwaithavol shoot not the queen ordered thee said gwiltin trembling not so it was rhiannon ordered me she is the queen i will show thee said pendarren and lowered his aim he loosed the arrow and it took the two folds of the mantle of gwiltun between his right arm and his ribs pinned him by the mantle to the wall before the arrow struck another was fitted to the bow i will show thee again said pendarren and loosed it it took the folds of his mantle between the left arm and the heart and pinned him to the wall on that side also the third arrow was aimed before the second struck who is the queen said pendarren dyved rhiannon is the queen said gwilton ever i loved formalities said pendarren appease you my irritable nature now out of courtesy by speaking according to her dignity and your own unworthiness let your words be the queen rhiannon wren the daughter of hevaith from the land of the immortals 
the queen rhiannon wren the daughter of hevaith in the land of the immortals said gwilton the sovereign ruler of the demesians your lady and mine and the lineage of the gods with her and herself clearly a goddess speak you the words as they are given you said pendarren gwilton repeated the words madog and catog and dainiel to your feet with you and repeat the titles of your lady and mine said pendarren the fear of his swift bow was upon them with his not ceasing to menace them with it and they rose up and repeated the titles that is well said pendarren it is delightful to me that the rash impetuosity of my nature should have been appeased without committing violence and ill-considered action you see how it is with me he said i am grown old and hasty and am troubled with forgetfulness and am fickly rash when any of the servants of the queen meet their death by treachery i am filled with the burning desire to shoot and this desire takes me whenever i come into the council and it is needful that you should constantly remind me who it is that has ordered me to restrain the arrows and beyond that said he it has been revealed to me that should another of us be slain i shall fall short of restraining them and forget the orders of the queen and shoot in this council and that vehemently and without warning and that the one i shall shoot at will be the krintach himself and heaven knows if i did that it might well be the cause of pining away and distaste of food with me so rhiannon had her queenhood acknowledged what there was of it after doing penance from dawn to dusk for that year also as for myrig muin of bronwith when the news was given to him in the gwerthonai cleon there was no controlling his delight and laughter on account of the arrows and impatience of pendarren and of the infirmities of his old age it happened in the eighteenth year that there was a raid of giants at Awadai from beyond the raging sea few would go against them except the men of the tyli of Pulpenannon. thirty remained to guard the queen at arberth and thirty went against the giants they obtained the victory such as it was and destroyed the host that opposed them but twenty of them were slain and five so deeply wounded that neither physician nor cauldron of cure could heal them on the eve of may rhiannon sent ten men to guard the gorseth so that there were no more than five and twenty left at arber that night the men of the krintach had become more impatient than ever by that time they had determined that on the eve of may when the tyli was at its fewest their lord should take the throne at the feast pendarren duvard came into the hall early he took the place of the king's heir opposite to the dais fourteen of his companions were with him the rest would lead the queen from the gate when she might leave it at sunset madog came in at the head of his men they did not take their places about the table as would have befitted them but went forward towards the throne pendarren waited until they were on the dais then he was on his feet and his bow drawn and aimed it had not his equal in Dovard, either for swift suddenness or for driving power or for sureness of aim nor in the whole of the island of the mighty as was well known nor in the rest of the world woe is me cried pendarren old and rash and full of whims have i grown i am seized with an intolerable desire to drive shafts through the back of yonder chair 
Madoc turned and saw him, and stepped aside quickly from the throne. Fickly rash are the desires of old age, cried Pendarin again. Bear you with me in all courtesy and consideration, and it shall be the better. It was revealed to me in dreams during the night that I should be speeding arrows senselessly at the dais throughout the feast-time, unless there were one from the kingdom of the immortals upon the throne. His voice was like the roaring of the flood among the mountains. His aspect was that of a breaker of battles, a driver of thousands into the wave. There was no one in the hall that would have dared to oppose him. In that way he preserved the queenhood of Rhiannon during the twenty years. There were many that plotted to destroy him, but he was wise continually, and went nowhere but where Rhiannon might have counselled him to go, and did nothing but what was service for her. With that, and with the ready swift terror of his bow, it was as if there were unseen dragons of protection encircling him. There was no one that dared come against him openly, and no one that could obtain success or advantage against him in secret. End of part 24